Anything? There we go. Let's stay standing for the reading of God's Word this morning. We're going to be in 1 John 3, 11 through 18. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to get into your word, to learn from your word. Thank you that we can be part of your family. And uh, God, I just pray that you would open our hearts and minds and that you would um, bring the right words uh, to my mouth this morning to uh, bring to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. <clears throat> so my sermon title this morning is The Guarantee, The Guarantee of Love in the Family. The Guarantee of Love in the Family. Depending on your point of view, you either just made it through the last of the major American holidays for the year, or you don't, and you don't have to endure another one for a couple months, or you're the type of person that loved hearing every single Christmas song on the radio since Halloween, and are not planning to take down your Christmas tree anytime soon. <laughs> no matter the view, hopefully you got to spend a healthy amount of time with your family. With family, you get the best, and it's not a Hallmark movie, so you get the worst. Holly's family had to put up with me coughing and hacking all weekend, and, uh, and since this is a, a Family Matters is our, our theme, and I don't know if we have the picture of Family Matters up, up here behind us or not, but if you watch the TV show Family Matters, um, there was Steve Urkel. And uh, I, I felt like I should have been Steve Urkel at moments because I would cough and I would hack. People would make me start to laugh and I would start coughing and hacking. And then, and then I would pull up my pants and I would go, did I do that? No, <clears throat> not really. But, but I had to do something with Family Matters this morning. Uh, inside a biblical family, though, you get the best and the worst the same. Believe it or not, people still sin sin against you, and you sin, and you sin against others. Family can be ugly because we're sinners. But inside the biblical family, you are guaranteed love. Love is not guaranteed from your biological mother or sister or father, but inside this family, inside the family of God, love is a guarantee. Think about that statement. The big idea this morning is that love is a guarantee in the biblical family and there's no fine print. 
There's no fine print to that. So if you're a member of LWF, or if you're part of the, the greater church this morning, you should be asking yourself two questions. Am I shown love at LWF or at my church? Am I shown love at LWF? And do I show people at LWF love? Do I show people at this church or at your church love? So on this New Year's Day morning, we're going to look at four facets of loving the biblical family. The first facet is a historical call and the definition of love. Verse 11 says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. It's from the beginning that we've been called to love one another. Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In Matthew 22, someone says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. It's interesting God's timing on a message like this. Last night, I got home, and uh, I'd come home from Holly's folks up in Dysart, Iowa. And as I got there, my plan was, because I didn't have a key to the house, my plan was to go in the garage door, through the garage door, and into the house. Well, I opened the garage door, I get to the, the door, and the deadbolt was locked. Uh, so now I'm like, how do I get into my house? Um, so I start looking for a way. My neighbor, uh, who's a German guy, his name is Thomas, he comes over and he starts talking to me. And he's like, hey, what's going on? Why is your garage door you know, uh, up and what are you doing? And, uh, and I'm like, well, I'm trying to break into my house. And I, I locked myself out. And so he's like, oh, okay, well, you know, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I found two like paper cards. I know, I know how to do different things to get into a house. So I grabbed two different paper cards to get in through a door and uh, they weren't working. And he's like, hey, I have, I have a harder one. I have a harder plastic one I can give you. And so he hands me his harder plastic card to get into the house. And I was able to uh, jimmy the door and get in. And so from there, though, we ended up having an hour conversation on the front step of, of the house um, about love and about being a neighbor. Because I, I said, hey, you want to come to church tomorrow? I said, I'm preaching. I said, I haven't really preached that much. But I said, you can come, you can come here. And he goes, well, what are you preaching on? I said, love, you know, lo- loving each other. I said, kind of like what you just did. You know, you came over and you showed me love. And he's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, so love is really just, you know, caring. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a good way to, to put it. Another, another definition or the definition that First John is looking at this morning is not about the bigger idea of loving your neighbor, but loving your brother or sister in Christ, though. <clears throat> in this context, it's the agapeo. It's the active love of your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the active love of your family, because family matters. So to love, and a definition can be to love 
is to feel and exhibit esteem and goodwill to a person or to prize and delight in. Do you prize and delight in your brothers and sisters in Christ this morning? So that's the the historical call and the definition of love that we're looking at in 1 John this morning. And a facet number two is love is not. Love is not. As we look at verses 12 and 13, it says we should not be like Cain who was of the evil one, murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, the world hates you. So love Really had to stretch, really had to work at this one. Love is not hate. Okay? Love is not hate. If you look at Cain and Abel and the story of Cain and Abel, I'm not going to go back there, but if you want to later, it's Genesis 4, 1 to 16, and you can see what, what happened between Cain and Abel. But they both bring their sacrifices to God, and God regards Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. But Cain was born into sin because of Adam's sin. Just like we are born into sin, so was Abel. Cain's Cain's hatred toward his brother drove him to evil actions. His hatred drove him to evil actions, to murder. Turn over, if you have your copy of God's word, to Matthew 5, 21 to 24. It says, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to hellfire. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there and go to the altar. Go to him. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and give your gift. God's timing is right on time all the time. A week ago, I had, I had to do, or I got to do, just this. And I say I got to because in, in the family of God, we have the opportunity to be able to go to our brothers and sisters in Christ and we know that we can be reconciled with them because if they are living as one of God's chosen people, one of, they're living a gospel-centered life, someone who's been forgiven so much, they're going to forgive you. And a week ago, I got to do just that. In a biblical family, we're called to seek forgiveness and we're called to forgive. Don't fall for the lies that hold you back from going and seeking reconciliation with your brother or sister in Christ. There's all kinds of lies that come to your head that that would cause you to stay back from that. But there's freedom and union in doing it. There's love in it. So love doesn't hate. Are you angry with your brother or sister in Christ? We do that sometimes. We get angry. In a biblical family, we can have reconciliation. That's unique about the body of Christ. Go to them. Be reconciled. Don't be like Cain. God wants your relationships with your brothers and sisters to be good. So much that instead of bringing God your gift at the time, we're called to go and seek reconciliation. 
So a side note, if you get into verse 13, it says, don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Don't be surprised. I thought of, if anybody knows the comedian uh, Brian Regan, uh, Brian Regan has this bit where he talks about going to the doctor's office, and a doctor never says, um, you're going to feel pain. doctor doesn't say that. A doctor says, hey, before they stick a needle in you, they're going to say, you're going to feel a little pressure. And sometimes, you know, it's like they're, you're going to hit with a two-by-four. You're going to feel a little pressure. And, and so that's what John is doing here. He said, don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. He's, he's letting you know ahead of time that pressure's coming. Why is the world going to hate you? Why? John 17, 14 says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. In Christ, you have something the world does not have. The inference is that Abel got something from God and Cain didn't. And that was God's regard. And that's what caused, causes the world to hate you. When the world sees that you have Jesus, they will respond to you like Cain did to Abel with hatred. Don't be shocked. You're going to feel a little pressure. So facet number three is, love is a sign of life. Love is a sign of life. Verse 14 and 15 says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You have life in Christ. You've passed from death to life. Do you have signs of life in your life? Do you have signs? So I think of, and, and if I've told this story to you, I know I've told the teens, but I don't know if I've told this story to you before. Uh, last winter, we had a guy that uh, had domestically assaulted uh, his girlfriend, and then he took a knife and he went and he and he went up into the the attic of this house that was through a little crawl space in the ceiling, and he wouldn't come down. And it was cold, and the attic was cold, and uh, and so for hours we wait for him to come out, for him to come down, and he wasn't coming down, and we couldn't make contact with him. So finally, we go and um, we go into this, we go into the house. And we go up there, and, and we get the, the ceiling open, and I can see his coat. And he's not moving, and I'm like, okay, well, that's good. I mean, he's not trying to stab us at this point. That's good. Well, then he's still not moving, so I grab his arm, and I kind of shake him. Well, it feels rigid, and I'm like, oh, okay, I've seen this before. This is probably rigor mortis. And he's, he's, he's a little stiff. And so... I end up going up, and I, I get a hold of his skin. I can feel his skin, and his, his hands are cold. He's a little stiff, and I, I feel for a what? Pulse, right? And so I feel for a pulse, and I can't find a pulse on the guy. And I'm like, okay, he's probably, he's probably not alive. It's probably safe to go up. But um, I send a younger, a little bit more fit officer up, <laughs> up first, because he can go up faster and fight off a knife attack. You know, it would take me a, it would take me a while. Uh, and so, so anyway, he goes up first, and, and uh, 
you know, has control of the situation, and then I wiggle my way up, and I go up as well. And we end up finding that he's actually alive. He just had such a faint pulse, and we could hardly tell that he was alive, but he was alive. And, you know, firemen, of course, they wanted to, like, rip down the ceiling and take the guy out, and we're like, you know, firemen. But they, anyway, <laughs> they, they grab him, and, and they, or we grab him, and we put him down the hole and, and got him out of there. Anyway, do you have, if you think of that story and you think about this guy's, this guy in the attic and his, his low pulse, do you have a strong pulse that you're alive? If you're checking for signs of life, do you have a strong pulse of love for the body of Christ? We're called to. We should have that. It should be evident when someone does a pulse check on you that, that you're loving the body of Christ. Because love is the heartbeat of a believer. 1 John 3.10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Pastor Josh can be quoted as saying, being genuinely saved always works its way out in deeds of love. Being genuinely saved always works its way out in deeds of love. Listen, our church, as I thought through this, our church does great at outreach. I think about our outreach, our most recent outreach event. How many people do we have at the Thanksgiving meal giveaway? And how many people do we have serving and loving our community and then I thought through, and, I, and I, I think we're still doing good, but I think we could do better. I thought through, how, many, how, many, how well do we do at serving each other in the body of Christ, at loving each other in the body of Christ? Is it visibly evident that we love each other at LWF in the church? Facet number four is knowing love leads to more love. Knowing love leads to more love. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. How do we understand or know love? Jesus laid down his life for us. That's how we understand love. We just celebrated Christmas, Jesus' birth. Jesus coming, leaving his home in a perfect heaven to come to earth and live perfectly amongst sinners for over 30 years. Jesus came to earth knowing the outcome, knowing what he would have to do. He would be ridiculed, mocked, beaten, gouged, nailed to a cross, because he loved us in our sin. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when you know God's love, this love, you're brought from darkness to light. You have life. You have a new family, a biblical family that guarantees love. Your family just got a whole lot bigger. It's everyone who knows the love of Jesus and names his name. Specifically, it's the biblical family at LWF. 
and you are left to respond to your family in the same kind of love that you have been shown by Jesus by laying down your life. Because Jesus laid down his life for us, we're called to lay down our lives for the family, not just because we should, but because when you know love, you're left only to respond in love. Pastor Josh said the ultimate sign of love was the cross of Christ, his sacrifice of his body. We ought to be willing to do sacrificial deeds of love in the same spirit as Jesus did sacrificial deeds of love. So as you think about it practically, what does that mean for you to lay down your life? Does it, does it mean that physically you're going to have to give your life? Maybe. But for most of us, I think it might, it might come out in different practical ways. And I think of when I went to college, I, went, uh, I moved two hours away. I grew up in Lone Tree, South Iowa City, and I moved up to Waterloo area. I didn't know anybody and I started attending this small church in Hudson, Iowa. And uh, I, met, I met this lady. She was an older lady. I met this lady, and her name was Robin Peters. And she came up to me, and she started asking me about, like, what I had, what I had prepared, you know, in my, my college, like, apartment. And um, it was at that point I realized I really didn't have anything. Uh, maybe some ramen noodles. Maybe, you know, uh, Totino's pizza. I'm not sure. Um, but, like, not cleaning soap, not, not like things that she would have considered essential and, uh, and probably are essential. And so, so she takes me to Econo Foods in Waterloo, and, and she just says, hey, we're, I'm going to grab, and she starts loading up the cart with all this stuff that, that I needed. And she loads this cart and it's, it's full of stuff. And it, and it wasn't just things I needed, but it was like pop and, you know, everything else. And she's like, here, this will get you started. And, uh, and it was just such a show of love to me. She did it with joy. She was using her money and her resources. But she would have never come across that had her antenna not been up, had she not been asking questions, had she not been trying to get involved in my life. And I think that is a way that, that we can lay down our lives. By asking questions and getting involved in our brother and sister's lives to see what their needs are. Otherwise, how do we know? How do we know what's going on in their lives? So it means sacrificing your time for your family. It might mean being diligent to serve the body of Christ, whether it's in the nursery, coffee ministry, holding the front door to the church on a Sunday morning, you do it with love and you do it with diligence. Being consistent at small group and turning your affections toward your brothers and sisters in Christ. When someone has a prayer request, you talk to them in truth, sincerely and lovingly. Love is finding a new family member at church and giving them a big hug or a fist bump. It's getting out of your chair during the, the time of fish bumps and handshakes and finding that new person and loving on them, showing them love. When a brother or sister has a need, you jump in and fill it. You don't stop with praying for them. You show them love. You got to be like Missouri, right? What's Missouri's slogan? The show me state. The show me state. Show it. Show the love for your family. So, 
be clear, though, we're not doing these acts of love for show. We're not doing these for recognition, like a Pharisee, but it's sincerely because you love them and you love Jesus. You're laying down your life. Laying down your life means you put your family above yourself, above your own wants, above your own desires, and sometimes it just starts with your thinking and opening your heart. Verse 17 says, don't close your heart off to your family's needs that you see. So it says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So if you closed off, I don't know if Cam's here this morning, he's a surgeon, but if you, if you closed off blood supply from the heart to the arm, what would happen with your arm? If Cam was here, he'd be able to tell, you, tell me in detail, but I'm pretty sure it wouldn't work very well, right? In the same way, when don't close your heart off to members of the biblical family, you need the blood flowing to the body, the arms, the hands, the feet, and the mouth. Love in the church keeps the body moving. Keep that blood flowing. Keep loving. Stay open to actively loving your family even after you've been hurt. I think that's the hardest part, right? Because it's it can all be rainbows and butterflies until you get hurt. And then and then that's when it really kicks in. Can you still really love people? Can you really love your family even after you've been hurt? Don't talk. Do something, but be real. Verse 18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Sometimes we do a better job of talking about what God's word says about love or what Jesus has done than showing someone Jesus by what we do. Sometimes we spend a lot of time talking about how to show love and make plans rather than just jumping in and meeting the need. Sometimes we're better about sending a text of encouragement to a struggling family member than just helping out. Texts and cards are great. They're such an encouragement. They've, they have lifted my soul so many times, but if that, John is talking about deed and truth. It's showing love outwardly. It's not just talking. As believers, we should be doing good things for others. We should help our family and do it with the right attitude and heart motive. Not for appearances or praise of men or selfish gain, but because we love our family. Because we have affection toward our family. Our hearts and mind are just bent that way. And loving your family, did you know loving your family, your biblical family, is a form of evangelism? It's a form of evangelism. John 13.35 says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So are you evangelizing people around you? Can the world see at Living Waters Fellowship that we have love for one another? Is that visible to the world? Other people will know you're a Jesus follower when you show love to each other. So love well. Love well. So as we close this morning, think about and pray about, but act. We have a historical call to love. goes way back. And a specific call to love, our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Love is not hate. And if that's where you're at, be reconciled. It's, it can be hard, but it's a very simple thing to do. Love is a sign of life. Love is a sign of life. So how's your pulse? How's your pulse? Check your pulse this morning. Knowing love leads to more love. Dig in and know Jesus more. As you know Jesus more, you love him more, and you see how much he loves you, and you want to show that same love to others. And the questions I asked at the beginning are, am I shown love at LWF? Ask yourself, am I shown love at LWF? And do I show people at LWF love? Or if you're not from LWF, but you're, you're a believer and you're part of another church, are you shown love at your church? And do you show love to the people in your church? But if you're here this morning and you're like, uh, I'm not a believer, but this sounds pretty good. This whole family thing, this sounds pretty good. It is. And we would love to tell you more about that. Find any pastor, anybody around you that you know is a believer that would love to tell you about Jesus, about the family of God. So as we wrap up and we close, let's think about as we start 2023, how can we love our church family better? Let's pray. God, thank you. Um, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths of your word. I pray that uh, your word would land the way that you would want it to uh, in our hearts um, and uh, that we would act, that we would not just take it into the heart and uh, think it's a good thing and that's a, that's a really good idea, but we would, we would actually uh, move in a direction and start acting and then our church in 2023 Uh, would look like you would want it to look with love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and stand as we respond to the word of God. The dangerous part about having your lead pastor lead in music is that he can preach a second sermon. Amen. (laughs) Praise God for that. Brother Rob, thank you so much for bringing scripture to us. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. He who does not love abides in death. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, the Lord Jesus. And we ought to lay our lives down for the brothers. So you've heard from God's word. Now we respond. We listen to the spirit of God. Where is God challenging you in this area of loving your brothers or your sisters in Christ? Rob said, you can love somebody until you get hurt. Some of you are hurt and you're done loving. You're done loving XYZ person. Can I challenge you to listen to the Holy Spirit of God through his word? If you're, if, you're, if you're gone when love gets hard, is it really love? Listen to the Lord. Think about who you're going to love this year, this week, today. Who are you going to step out and forgive? 
What transactions of forgiveness are going to happen? By God's grace, a lot of them. Amen? But Jesus is better. So whatever you're trying to pursue, Christ is better, and he can empower you to be reconciled to your brothers in Christ. Let's give this um, song to the Lord. It's called Jesus is Better.